You know, I, I don't know if you have uh, noticed uh, over the last probably year, um, there have been at least three accidents in Middle Tennessee, two of them specifically on I-24, wrong way drivers. You know, I've thought before, how is it that that happens? But, you know, it creates massive destruction. People's lives are turmoil and turned upside down when those things happen. Literally, people getting on the interstate, somehow getting mixed up, and they are running against traffic. They're going upstream. Now, listen, we call you to go upstream all the time, but that's not how we want it to happen. And when that, and what we've seen specifically is people's lives are devastated when they don't recognize what's going on. The passage that we're in today is all about calling people that they are going in the wrong direction. And and it's about calling us, Revelation chapter 9, it's calling us to turn. We use this word in, in church called repent. We call you to repent. It's literally, it's the turn. It is a change of mind. In fact, the word uh, to repent literally means to have a change of mind. But it's not just changing your mind. Oh, I'm going to think differently, think differently about God, think differently about sin, think differently about his word, think differently about uh, how I live. It it actually is thinking different, and it results in a new way of life. You've heard me say many, many times up here, you walked in today, and you found a chair, and you didn't think about it. You sat down. You exercised faith that that chair was going to do exactly what you thought it would do, hold you up. Well, that's what it means to repent. To repent means I'm believing differently, I'm turning, and I'm going in a different direction. And everything I do now, my decisions are based on Christ, how I spend my money, how I have sex, who I have sex with, uh, where I'm going to have a job, what, what my life is going to look like, how I make decisions. It, I think differently, and because I think differently, I now live differently. Well, in this passage, Revelation chapter 9, as we've been talking uh, last week and now this week about the trumpet judgments, uh, the trumpet judgments speak to us about the tribulation and what's going on from the perspective, from the view of those who don't follow Christ, those who are, and the trumpet is blasting out saying, turn, turn. You need to repent. You need to turn away. Turn away from what it is that you've been following. Now, again, I, I keep going through this because I think it's important, especially if you are new today or you've not had time, you were gone last week and you've not had time to look back through and see last week's message online. We're talking about here uh, apocalyptic literature, language, language that is symbolic. And any time you see something in the book of Revelation that goes, uh, this is new, I'm not quite sure what this is, you go back to the Old Testament. There are over 600 references to the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. Uh, remember, when we read Scripture, we do it disservice and violence at some level to take it and interpret it beginning in the 21st century. The word of God very much is written for us in the 21st century, but to understand it, we have to go back to what, what was it being said in that very first century or in that day and time in which it was written and spoken to the people. And so when we begin to look and we begin to understand and we see what the context is there, then we can cross what I'd say the bridge of time and 
What is it saying to us today? What is that picture? Because I want you to hear the word of God is true then, it's true today. It spoke then, it speaks today. It, is, it had the words of life then, it has the words of life today. But today, what we're doing is we're looking in Revelation chapter 9. In fact, we're even going to start with the last verse of chapter 8. We read all of chapter 8 except the last verse, and we're going to start with that. So quickly, if you will, I want to give you, if you got a piece of paper, some pen, you got uh, your thumb and some notes, I think it's going to be really important that you are able to go back and look through uh, these passages and see them. Trumpet one last week was hellfire, blood thrown to the earth, and a third of the earth was destroyed. I don't know if you remember that. Trumpet number two dealt, in fact, the language said this, something like a mountain was thrown into the sea and a third of the seas were destroyed. A third of the life, a third of the ship. Trumpet number three was a star, it said, fell, and that star was called Wormwood, and that star fell into all the fresh water. And it made it bitter, made it bitter. All the fresh water, or excuse me, a third of the fresh water made it bitter on the earth. The trumpet number four was a third of the sun went dim, a third of the moon went dim, and a third of the stars went dim. And all of that we looked at and we talked about how uh, these were symbolic systems. It was symbolic language to say that the God of this world Satan himself, the evil one, has blinded the eyes of people. And that, that the evil system of Babylon, the, the, the spirit of the world, is alive today, blinding us and calling us. And if we drink the philosophies, the bitter, the bitter philosophy, the wormwood, it would poison us. And though we as believers, we've been sealed in Jesus and our faith is secure, it does affect us though. It does affect us, but we, our faith is safe because we've surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. So with that, kind of helping you to see where we are, what we're talking about, let's look at verse 13 in chapter 8. Verse 13, the fourth trumpet has blown, all right? The fourth trumpet has blown, and here's what John says. Then I looked... And I heard, that's language you hear all throughout Revelation. He looks, he hears. He sees, he hears. Uh, then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead saying, whoa, 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 to those who dwell on the earth. At the blast of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. Now listen, that whoa, whoa, whoa is not like slow down, slow down, slow down. That woe, 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 it's a call out that, listen, trouble is ahead, disease is ahead, disaster is ahead, turmoil is ahead, things are not going to be good. And he calls out, woe, woe, woe to those of you who live on earth. Now, he's not speaking about, hey, you earthlings, in comparison to Martians. He's talking about those who have not surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. He's calling out to those who stand in judgment, those who are far from God, those who are in the midst of this world system. That's who he's calling out to. Seven or eight times in the book of Revelation, you're going to see the phrase, to, the, to those who dwell on earth. And every time, that's the, the, the essence of what he is speaking here. So in the chapter eight closes and says, hey, get ready, get ready. 
Here it comes. He sees the eagle. He hears the woes. So with that, let's start reading in chapter 9, and we're going to read all of chapter 9 today. Specifically, I want to stop with, uh, with verse 12 in this first part. Beginning in verse 1, he says, And the fifth angel blew his trumpet, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to earth, and he was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. The word pit there can also be translated and interpreted as abyss. Maybe some of yours say abyss. He opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. Then from the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given the power like. Now, I want you, whenever you hear words repeated, you circle them and go, there's something being said here, okay? Begin to notice. And they were given power like the power of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the, of the earth or any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were allowed to torment for five months, but not to kill them. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it stings someone. And in those days, people will seek death and will not find it. They will long to die, but death will flee from them. Verse 7, in appearance, the locusts were like horses prepared for battle. On their head were what, what looked like crowns of gold. Their faces were like human faces. Their hair like women's hair. Their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And, their, and, their noise of their, and the noise of their wings was like the noise of many chariots with horses rushing into battle. They have tails and their stings like scorpions, and their power to hurt people for five months is in their tails. They have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek, he is called Apollyon. The first woe has passed. Behold, two woes are still to come. So here's what you have, all right? Let's kind of walk through this, and I'm going to move through this rather quickly. Fifth angel blows fifth trumpet. Here it comes, and it says, at that moment, there is great smoke and a lot of locusts that begin to come out. It says that a key was given to an angel that was fallen. That should be reminiscent. If you've been in church for I don't know how long, long those of you maybe who grew up, that should be reminiscent of Isaiah 14. Isaiah 14, this is the prophecy in Isaiah where, or the, where Isaiah says that he saw a star falling. Most commentators would believe this is the fall of Satan being talked about. Jesus in Luke chapter 10, when he had sent out his 72 disciples and they came back and they were so excited that they healed sickness, it says even demons obey us. And Jesus said in 18, he says, I see a star who has fallen from heaven. He here, I believe, is talking about Satan. I even would say that I believe that this, this, this uh, angel that the keys have been given to himself is Satan. Because verse 11 tells us that the name of that angel is Abaddon in Hebrew, Apollyon in Greek. And what, does, what do those two names mean? Destroyer. That should be Something you hear that Jesus says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So I believe that what you're seeing here is Satan, who is 
Now, I want to make sure you catch this also. Notice in verse 1 that this angel, he is given the keys. It says that he's the king over the locusts. That word could be translated chief among them. But it says he is given the keys. You realize that he has no authority except that which is given to him. Notice that, that, uh, that he is told also, and they are told, you can do only these things. Don't harm any of the grass. Don't harm any of the grass, any of the green. And you can only touch those who aren't sealed, those who would have the mark of the beast. We're going to come back to that in a week or so. So notice this, that Satan himself, he is not king of hell. You need to hear that. He's not getting down there directing traffic. He is the chief among demons, and there is going to be a day that he will be cast to the bottomless pit, the abyss. He'll be locked away, and he'll be done. But today, the scripture tells us that he has been released. He's been released. The hordes of his demons have been released against us. But you've got to know that he only has the ability to torment those who haven't been sealed. I do want you to hear me say, though, that I believe that this also, though, though he cannot touch our faith, though that he cannot torment us, we do, though, fall blinded to the smoke of the pit. I think symbolically what this is, you know, I had a fireman in the last service, and firemen will tell you that uh, the, the thing that kills most people in a fire is not fire, it's smoke. You can't see, you're disoriented, it chokes you out, you cannot breathe, you get disoriented. And I believe that this is another picture of the godless world system, the philosophies of this world that are choking out poisoning, blinding the overwhelming majority of the world. Yet, even we as followers of Christ who live in this world, it affects us, doesn't it? We hear these things. We fall under them. We fight against them. We even fight against them. Notice in verse 7, verse 7 and following there, he begins to describe these locusts. Now, 11 times in chapter 9, 11 different times is the word like. 11 different times. So that's a very key word here, okay? Notice what he says in uh, 7 and following. The locusts look like war horses. They have faces like human faces. They have hair like human women's hair. They have teeth like, they wear something like a crown. They have something like breastplates of iron. The reason I say that and draw that out is I do believe that this is symbolic language. I don't even know that John complete, obviously he was using all of the language that he knew of that day, but could not describe at more. He could not identify what it was. All he could say was, man, it was like this. It was like this. I'm, I'm not sure. Is this real? Yeah, I believe it is real, but I think it's symbolic language. Go back, if you were to take this, do you remember me saying a minute ago that we always have to go back to when it was written, what's the context, and then we come forward. This book of Revelation right here, when when it was written, you remember it was a a letter. It was written to the seven churches of Asia Minor that are listed in chapter 2 and 3. We didn't, we put the chapters and the verse numbers in there. That was somewhere around the third or fourth century that those were added in for study purposes. 
But this would have been a letter. And when they received that, they would have sat down and somebody would have read it and they would have read it from the beginning to the end. And when they read it from the beginning of the end, they wouldn't have stopped and said, now chapter eight, I think it also kind of refers back over. No, they just would have read it. And as they read it, they would have understood this is symbolic language. You know why? Because it would remind them of the previous history of their people. This was their Bible of the day, the Old Testament. It would have reminded them specifically this piece right here of Exodus chapter 10. Exodus chapter 10 is the uh, eighth plague. It is the eighth plague in, when Moses was in, Israel, was in Egypt and he went before Pharaoh. The hell the hail had come, destroyed the crops, and the eighth plague was the locust. The locust came, and you know what they did? They ate up everything else. They devastated the land. They devastated it. More specifically, though, they would have known Joel chapter 2. I'm at, I, for two weeks now, I've been pointing you to Joel chapter 2. You need to go read Joel chapter 2 today. This language right here is in Revelation 9, is all, I mean, it's almost verbatim in Joel 2. And Joel is prophesying, and he says, listen, in the great day of the Lord, and basically walks through what was going to be seen here. He says, there's a judgment that's coming. And they begin to realize, okay, wait a minute, I've heard this. This is about judgment, that judgment is coming. Yet in the middle of this, remember, he was writing to churches. And I want you to hear, in the world in which we face today, where you are, why was Revelation written? To bring hope to the church. Listen, things do look difficult today. I do believe there are godless world philosophies. There are godless world uh, powers out there who are giving leadership, who are calling, uh, uh, who are creating policies and who are leading philosophies and religions and calling people to follow them. And we are affected by that. But yet I want you to hear this. As followers of Jesus who have been sealed by the blood of Christ, who have surrendered our life, we can stand strong. You see, from the sealed perspective, we can look at that and go, I, I recognize what that is. I understand it. If, if we're being wise, if we're being in the word, if we're testing what's happening in the days that we're in, if not, the smoke of the pit, the shaft that comes out, that blinds us and disorients us. We will fall prey to the locusts that come who, and they will bite us and they will sting us. They will cause us to begin to drink the godless philosophies. And I want you to hear, you know what ends up happening? We become poisoned. It's bitter. It's bitter to taste. We recognize something doesn't feel right, but we don't completely understand it. And I'm calling you today, if you have been following after things that don't honor the Lord, I'm calling you to repent of that today, to change your mind, to walk away, to walk out of that. Because this is what the passage is calling. It was called out to call people to, to, to repent, to turn. It was written to give us hope that we, in the face of what we're facing, in what we're facing today, we can stand strong. Locusts of that day was a devastating creature. As an agrarian society, when hordes of locusts would come in, they would eat up all the crops. When they ate the crops, listen, they didn't just go down to Publix, Walmart, Kroger, and get some more, as we do. 
this was their livelihood. This was how they ate. This is how they, their family was sustained. So they hated locusts. And so they would, they would have heard, devastation is coming. We don't deal with scorpions here in Middle Tennessee. Haven't seen any. Don't know of anybody who's ever seen one or who have, who have dealt with them here. Growing up in Texas, I know scorpions. Literally in, in, in Texas. Today, if you leave your shoes, you take your shoes off outside, you have them in the garage, before you put your shoes on, you know what you do with them? You turn them upside down, you dump them out, you want to make sure nothing's in them. My father-in-law, George Mayfield, 84 years old, bought him a new pair of boots two weeks ago. He wears these boots. All, he, listen, he's sitting in his house in his robe with his boots on. No joke. No joke. You know what he does first thing in the morning before he puts his boots on? turns them, dumps them out in the house. I can't tell you how many times I've seen scorpions in the house. You know what you do before you get in the bed at night? Because scorpions like dark, warm places. You open the bed to make sure there's no scorpions. Because when you jump in the bed, if that thing raises its tail, literally raises its tail and stings you, it hurts. It hurts. You want know what the scripture here is saying? What it's saying here is that for... They had the ability, the, the teaching here stings you. It's poisonous and it is harmful. It says it's, the, the illustration here is, is that, that people wanted to die, verse six. They wanted to die, but death fleed them. They could not, they, 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 they could not die. I think I said the word fleed. It fled them. It was away from them. See, you got to just own it up when it happens. You just got to own it. I had that metronome going off in my head. Folks, listen, I, I do think it's a mercy of the Lord that they were not able to die. You go, what? The Lord gave them another opportunity to repent. Today may be the day that he's given you another opportunity to turn. Today follower of Jesus, you've been drinking from the bitter water, you hadn't even recognized it. But today, the Spirit has, is awakening you. I want you to hear, this is your opportunity to turn away and to come back to Him, to turn back to Him. Listen, this pit, these locusts, this place, this abyss is horrible. The, the deception. Uh, do you remember in the pa in Matt, uh, it's, the stories in Matthew, Mark, and Luke? I believe it's the uh, the Gadarene demoniac from the Gadarenes. Jesus sails up to the shore, and uh, someone who uh, who is possessed by a demon runs out to him and starts calling out, "Jesus, Son of God, we know who you are. Do not cast us away. Do not send us back to the abyss." Do not send us back to the abyss. Put us, let us go into the pigs. Listen, this shaft, this bottomless pit, this abyss, where all this destruction, this deceit comes from, is so bad, the, even the demons don't want to go back there. Today, the Holy Spirit of God calls out to you, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. He's calling you to turn to him. 
Look at verse 13 and following through 19. Then the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar before God. Now, this should remind you of the martyrs who were under the throne calling out, God, how long before you are going to avenge your blood? How long are you before you avenge your name? How long? This is where that's coming from. Verse 14, saying to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who were bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, the day, the month, and the year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was twice 10,000 times 10,000. Myriads upon myriads upon myriads is what this says. I heard their number. And this is how I saw the horses in my vision. And those who rode them, they wore breastplates like the, the color of fire and of sapphire and of sulfur. And the heads of the horses were like lion's heads and fire and smoke and sulfur came out of their mouths. And by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the sulfur coming out of their mouths. For the power of the horse, horses is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails are like the serpents with heads, and by means of them they wound. Where was the power? In their mouth. What came forth? Smoke, deception, fire, sulfur. You've ever smelt sulfur? Have you ever been to a sulfur plant or driven by? I mean, it's like, I mean, it's like burns your nose. It's horrible. It's, I mean, it's 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 acrid. It's Ah, it's horrible. This is what was coming out, deceit and lies and deception. Do you notice what, about the tails? It said, by their tails, they, are, they wound you. What was their tails like, the scripture says there? Serpent's heads with mouth. Should that, that should remind us anywhere in scripture where you see a serpent symbolically, it's who? The enemy, it's Satan doing what he's always done, deceiving and lying. And just like he did in, in uh, the garden when he looked at Eve. And did God really say, you know what he did? He called into question God's word. Do you remember last week when I talked about how, uh, you know, a little bit of truth mixed in is the worst kind of lie? I want you to hear that. That's what the evil one does. Is he calls you to twist the word. He twists the word. Did God really say? Is that really truth? Oh, listen, that doesn't really work today. Or it's like he did with Jesus in the garden. I mean, excuse me, Jesus, when he took him into the, when he went into the desert and he tempted him, he didn't try to lie to Jesus. He tried to get him to usher in the kingdom quickly outside of the timetable that, that God had set. And Jesus looked at him and said, don't put the Lord to test. And he and when he said that, he, he left. Folks, I think too often we forget that we have the power by our words. Right here, the scripture tells us that by his words, people are wounded. Did you realize that you have the power in your tongue to resist the devil? You don't have to sit and take it. Resist him, flee. Satan, you have no power. Be gone. You have that power. He says, listen, the serpent has always been about wounding with his mouth, bringing deceit, bringing lies, bringing deception. He has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy you. 
And I don't think that we take that seriously enough. And the way that he does that is he lies and he twists the word of God. He makes us doubt it. He makes us think that not really. Really? Yes. Look at verse 13 and 14. Verse 13 and 14, quickly. When the sixth angel blew his trumpet, the scripture says the four angels were released from the Euphrates. Now, I want to go on record and say, I, I, I don't think this is about Iraq, Iran, Baghdad, Russia. I don't think that's what this is about. I think what this is all about, because one of the things is, is that when you look at scripture, you have to go back and what does scripture say? What does the Old Testament speak about? In the Old Testament, whenever you see the Euphrates or the, or the great river of the north, it's always talking about this is where danger comes from. This is where things happen. This is, what, this is what's going on. You remember the Assyrians came from the Euphrates. Babylon from the Euphrates. The scripture talks about uh, that, that, that Egypt was overthrown. When, they, when Egypt was overthrown, you know where they came from? They came from the great Euphrates. So when they would have heard this, they would have known destruction is coming. Destruction will come. Destruction will come. Do you know what I think this is? I believe this is another symbol of the hordes that are going to be released because the hordes of the locusts who are released and that come, the horses, another symbol of that, the lies, the deceit, that comes. John, or uh, Revelation verse 9, 15. Look at it with me real quick. Revelation 9, 15 tells us this. It says, so the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, for the day, for the month, and for the year were released. Folks, I, you know, I've said to you before, about how oftentimes when you read scripture from a futuristic revelation from a futuristic standpoint, you're looking for an exact, what's well, this nation, this sign looks this, and I think that does a disservice. I think one of the things that happens when you're reading it from an idealist standpoint is that so often it can be pie in the sky, it's all symbolic. I want you to know verse 15 says that there is a day, there is an hour, there's a time, there's a month, there's a year, when all of this is going to be done, Jesus is literally coming back one day. And the scripture tells us that we're going to see him. The scripture tells us that there's going to be a day when every knee will bow. This is the call. This is the call. The innumerable myriads upon myriads upon myriads of demons that are released to wreak havoc to sow lies, to sow discord, to bring confusion have been released, I believe. And today, if we are not careful, though our faith be safe because we've surrendered our lives to Christ, we can begin to drink that water, that bitter water that poisons. And today, I'm calling you, Christian, wake up, look around, See what it is that is being distilled. See what it is that's being spoken of and be awake, be attentive, measure against the word. Two points of application today. Number one is this, is that Satan's lies will always bring death. 
Why? Because he is the father of lies. Jesus said, John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So his lies bring death. John 8, 48 says, if the enemy is a liar, he's the father of lies. And what he does is he wants to bring destruction to us. Satan, what he, when he begins to speak, he's always lying. He's always turning the truth. He's always seducing us. Some of the ways that he seduces us today with his lies is that he takes a little bit of truth and then he creates this lie. Remember, a little bit of leaven leavens the whole bread, the whole batch. He says to us today, listen, we, you know, sometimes we, I, will get a, 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 an email or somebody stops by and says, man, you guys talk a lot about sex. You know why we do? Because we're made as sexual beings. Number two, it's the place in which the enemy attacks every one of us. Today, one of his lies is this. And he takes a little bit of truth. Sex is very pleasurable. It was given to us by God. He created it between a man and a woman in the bounds of holy matrimony, husband and wife, for life. And he says, listen, it's pleasurable, and God is trying to hold out on you. He's wanting to, listen, it feels good, it's wonderful. You have it with whoever you want, whenever you want, however you want. I want you to hear me. It's a lie. And it will bring death to you. Bring death to your spirit. Today, God created, how did God, when God created us in Genesis, how does it say that God created us? Male, female. That's not real difficult. He created us male and female. Yet today, the deception is that God messed up because you feel a certain way. You, I don't feel like I'm a man. I should be able, I'm gonna change. Listen, I want you to hear, when you fall for the lie, it leads to death. It leads to destruction. Husband, wife, he doesn't understand me. She doesn't meet my needs. Listen, no one's ever going to know about this relationship. I can keep it hidden. I want you to hear me. No, you can't. You can't keep it hidden. It's a lie. And it is destructive. It will lead to death in you and your marriage. Can it be reborn? Yes, it can be, only by the grace of God. But I want you to hear me. It will lead to death and destruction. Some of you are going, I, you know what? I'll, I, I won't ever. I, I'll ne- I would never cheat on my wife. I'd never cheat on my spouse. Yet you have found yourself caught in the web Literally, the web of scrolling and looking at pictures and seeing, art, seeing magazines and seeing videos of things that will lead to death for you spiritually. And Satan, Satan stands back and he laughs. He says, I think, I, I think, I think they can buy this. I want you to hear me. God has given us a way. He's called us 
to bring our bodies under his lordship. He's called us to bring our minds under his lordship. He's called us to trust him, to settle, the, to settle this and say, God, I follow you. I, I am sealed in you. Some of you in here today, you're not followers of Christ. And what I'm speaking right now has resonated with you. You're going, man, I do feel like I've, I've tried this. I've done this. I've been here. I've been trying to cover up the pain of my spirit. I want you to know Jesus is calling you today to turn. He's calling you to come to him, and he'll forgive you. He'll give you new life. Some of you in here are followers of Christ, and you, in this moment, you've thought, oh, my goodness, I've been drinking that bitter water. The scripture tells us in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No matter what you've been involved in as a follower of Christ, you may have been blinded, been deceived. You may, you may have been looking at things. You may have encountered someone. I don't know what it is, but I want you to know you can repent today. You can turn. You can come to Jesus. Come back to him. There is hope. There is life today. In him, because Satan's lies bring death, I gave away. Number two is this, is that in God's words, God's truth, we find life. God's truth brings life. If the thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy, I want you to know this. Listen to me. I want you to know this, that Jesus has come that you might have life. He said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly, have it freely to the best. He has said that. That doesn't mean that we're perfect. It means that sometimes you are going to fall. It means that sometimes you are going to be blinded. You will have tasted, you may have touched, you may have drank, you may have eaten, who knows what it is of the world's philosophy, and all of a sudden now you're going, this is bitter. I, I realize, what do you do? You repent. You come back to him. God, forgive me. Renew my spirit. Give me that life. And I want you to know that he will. When we, when we live life by what he says, there's always life. When we do our money, the way God desires, there's life. When we do sex the way God desires, there's always life. When we do relationships, family and friends, the way God desires, there's always life. In him, in him, to whom shall we turn? You have the words of life, Jesus. You are the words of life. Look with me as we close this out at verses 20 and 21. Chapter 9, 20 and 21. Remember, a third of the people have been killed. He says, the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see cannot walk or hear, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries 
or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Listen, you know what it is? It's such a sad picture to me. Do you know the majority of people aren't going to turn? The scripture tells us. The scripture tells us that wide is the path that leads to destruction, and it is full. Many are on it, but narrow is the way. Narrow is the way that leads to life, and few are those who find it. Today, in this room, my prayer has been, in all three services, is that some of the few are in here. Today is, would be the day that you find life in Jesus Christ. There is no life outside of him. Oh, you may live, you may go to work, but real life, abundant, free, true life is only found in Jesus Christ. So today, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to come talk to me. I'm inviting you where you are. As simple as this, you pray, Father, would you forgive me? Dear God, forgive me. I've tried to trust in all kinds of things, but today I come to you and I am trusting in you. I'm trusting in Jesus for my salvation. If you, in just a moment, when we close, you pray that prayer, come talk to me. I want to talk to you about it. I want to read a passage of scripture over us. Believer, listen to this. Written by a man after God's own heart. King David in the Old Testament, Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you. And I didn't cover my iniquity. I said, I confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Today, if you don't know Jesus, come to him. Surrender your life to him. Today, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been drinking the bitter water, I want you to know there's hope in Jesus. You can come to him. You can come back to him. You can repent. You can turn from this and follow him today. And he stands there and he says, there's no condemnation. Come to me. I love you. There is hope and healing, refreshment in my name. Jesus, thank you. And I ask you today, would you heal people of their sin disease? Would you bring them from death to life? God, today, for believers in here, who've realized they've been away. Father, would you, would you call them home? Would you give them the courage to respond? 
May they fall at your feet today. Father, forgive us for where we failed. We trust in you today. Today, our response time is this. I want you to sit. Zion and our team's gonna sing over us, and I want this to be a time where you, you speak to the Lord. Is it something I need forgiveness of? Do I need to surrender my life to Jesus? This is your opportunity. Don't leave. Respond to what he said today. If you want to speak to someone, I'll be out in the foyer at the Next Steps area. I'd love to pray with you. Zion, you lead us. You sing over us.